0: Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to a football show. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Lyons and we are brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group to award-winning, awesome locally-owned companies. We do appreciate it. Back live in our normal time slot. Good to be back after... Talking with Feinbaum callers for the better part of a week and a half. I can't wait to talk to you in the comment sections. And you too, Zach, also. Uh, So make sure you jump into the comment section if you have any questions. We are going to rank the AFC defensive units in the AFC South. And of course, the head coaches as well. Maybe give you some uh, predictions on the the worst and most interesting and maybe okay storylines coming out of SEC Media Days as the entire Southeastern media throng descends upon Nashville next week. So we got a lot of stuff to do, uh, a lot of great shows out there, content out there. stackingtheinbox.com, the inbox.com Pod, all the other great pods from the Four Hundred and Forty Sports Network as well. We'll tell you more about Sinkers and Kingston Group momentarily. Zach, good to see you, my friend. How are you?
1: Doing good. I'm actually making our my rankings right now. So, uh, but they'll be ready by the time we get to next. <laughs>
0: i I do appreciate your commitment and work ethic to the show we do appreciate it so no if you want to get involved please rate review subscribe to the show tell somebody about it uh we had some some really big growth over the course of the last couple of weeks and we really appreciate you guys even taking some time off we we know there's a bunch of new viewers so we really appreciate you guys tell somebody about the show Uh, tell somebody about football and other f words i have some some responses to you and mike kerndon's episode this week so make sure you go check out that episode and uh, make sure you read Stacking the Inbox as well. Sinkers Beverages, award-winning, number one liquor store in the city in 2022. It's not, it's not an opinion, Zach. It's, it's not your opinion. It's not my it's opinion. Award, it it's
1: award-winning. It's got awards. All it's right there. That.
0: It's right there.
1: Wow. <laughs> it's right there. Kind of like flowing out of their ass. <laughs>
0: Jesus. Just awards Christ. everywhere. The sinkers went and ate nothing but oysters for three days and just awards came pouring out. Um, all right. So go check them out. Uber eats search sinkers beverages, of course. And, uh, the booze will be l- delivered directly to your house. They drive. So you could drink. There you have it. Uh, and of course, great selection of all kinds of really cool stuff. They taught me how to make a new tequila drink. They found me and my wife, a brand new tequila. Now I'm a Brown water guy. I'm a vodka guy. Normally I like beer. Occasionally, maybe a mimosa every now and then, But I don't really drink a lot of other liquors, Uh, but my wife really likes tequila, but she wants a a good quality mixed drink. And we walked in there and my man, Grant, he goes, listen, let me take you to this one particular tequila. It's twenty four dollars for a liter. That like it's perfect. It's not too expensive. You can drink it on the rocks or you can make a mixed drink out of it. So now I have a tequila that I can go to. Thanks to sinkers uh kingston group as well BuildKG.com is the website nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm owned and operated by a local a nashvillian a former sec football player as well Uh, so it's all in the family here it's all in the family so just make sure you check out kingston group if you're going to do any big renovations make any big decisions about your house you know the drill folks talk to the Kingston group. So I want to give you a chance to, to promote Stack in the Inbox, really interesting stuff on analytics and data and the Titans and how it affected this team in the past. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, really good stuff by you this week, by the way. Just, just wanted to say, tip of the cap.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, It's my favorite article series of the of the year that we've I typically do around this time. Uh, Basically, just diving into the analytics presented into sharp football. Some of the analytics that, you know, I can go and find out to complement what sharp football uh, puts out. But essentially. If the Titans had had an analytics department like a just a maybe even a three man analytics department with someone in the office or building. Had the gumption or balls to present the data to Mike Vrabel because I'm sure the one little guy they have stuck away in a broom closet, um, is probably just too timid to even keep. He probably looks like Gollum at this point, he just doesn't even come out of his office. (laughs) (laughs) They probably have forgotten he's in there. I hope, I hope they have found that guy and let him out wherever he is. He's
0: he's looking at like like run first success rate on first down, and he's he's just like. And he's like, my precious, my yeah.
1: precious. He's <laughs> just too timid to go in there and say, hey, look, guys, I know we're it's week seven, but here's, here's everything that we've accumulated at the bye week. Please stop running the football. <laughs> we know that Derrick Henry is on paper the best uh, player on the field for your team on offense, but it's just not working because I'll tell you right now, on fir- if you put him out there, 84% of the time, they're going to stack the box. It doesn't even matter if you run or pass. Basically, and I agree with Warren Sharp, and I wish I would have thought of this, but I have to credit it to him. Basically, they are already planning to stack the box on first down when they see the Titans schedule. Uh, name on their schedule. That's what the opposing defenses are doing.
0: Which is appropriate because the name of the website is stacking the inbox. Yeah. It worked it worked so, very well this year. Go sign up. Really great stuff. F word spot was great. Um, I did, I did watch. So you guys talked a lot about a lot of different things. Um, vol Twitter, namely, and we're going to, one of my storylines later on for sec media days, I, I, I think Joe Milton, who's going to be here in Nashville. I, I think people that don't know anything about him and haven't covered him and haven't watched him, I think he's going to come out of media days as like, I, I'll save it for later. I think it's going to be a, a it's going to be quite annoying. Let's just leave it at that, and we'll and we'll get to that later. Uh, but one of the things that you mentioned is that they, I guess, players on NFL Network—is that right? Are just getting to pick to watch yeah. a bunch of games. And you guys were talking about it, and I actually saw the same player, Amon Ross St. Brown, picked one of it must like, be my, Amon
1: Ross St. Brown Week or something. I
0: don't know. So I was I was getting ready to do the show yesterday, and he picks, and I put on put on NFL Network, and I put on SEC Network. Those are like the two channels I keep it on normally, and it was like it was like the Packers Seahawks 2014 NFC championship game where the Packers lose on an onside kick. And I was down in Florida with my parents and my then girlfriend and my brother. And like, we were all in a little condo and it was one of the worst nights. One of the biggest fights I've ever had with my girlfriend, nothing to do with her at all. Uh, it worked out. We have two kids and we've been married 10 years, but it was just one of those nights where like, I just remember how terrible the game was. So anyway, I heard you guys talking about it and I started thinking, cause you asked Mike, if you had control, and you could pick a day, pick a game, excuse me, which which game would it pick? And you guys rattled off so many great ones that I immediately thought of, too. And I, I, the Super Bowl does. I can't put the Super Bowl on there. I don't feel like that's fair because, like, if you got to go to the Super Bowl, it's clearly the most memorable. But like, I don't want and, and to.
1: And they do replay their Super Bowl games, right. Like every so right. often.
0: So And you said that about the Music City Miracle. It's like everyone thinks yeah. of that. Everyone thinks of that one. Um, and I know you rattled off so many great and interesting games that you'd actually been in attendance for. I was there for the, the, the Derrick Henry 99-yard touchdown run game against Jacksonville. Yep. That would be near the top of my list. I think number one for me, and I wanted to see what you think about it, because Mike said the 99 AFC Championship game is probably the biggest win in franchise history, and that's probably accurate. Um, I, I think the playoff win on the road... Against Kansas City, where Derrick Henry sort of that was like one of Derrick Henry's like coming into his own as a starter. He wasn't really fully the starter yet, but he just went bonkers in that game. Mariota had the pass. They were on the road. It was they were an underdog. They hadn't been in the playoffs in years. I was out at a bar with a bunch of buddies watching that game. Like that was what and so much more entertaining than the Patriots <laughs> beating the Patriots in foxborough right. and beating the Ravens, where the game had to be played like. In a in a broom closet for them to win. I think the Kansas City win on the road is one of the most entertaining, memorable, and important games in modern Titans history. And it's the one that comes to my mind. I don't know if you if I any if I were ranking
1: that. the playoff games, like of the last, you know, of the the Malarkey Vrabel era, I guess you could say the more modern era, I'd probably put the Ravens win as number one. And um then I would do that that chiefs game that you're talking about. Cause I think the Ravens win. there's so much drama, so much involved. And then Earl they Thomas just come out. I mean, like <laughs> they just come out at the, at the, at the beginning and Ryan Tannehill puts them up with two beautiful touchdown passes. Yep. You got uh, one cheek and you're in uh, one cheek equals two feet uh, with Johnny Smith. I would agree. He puts boy. them up where, you know, Ryan? People forget Ryan Tannehill puts them up so much they are able just to beat the dog piss out of the Ravens, you know, from on the ground with Derrick Henry and on defense because they could just pin the ears back because Ryan Tannehill and the passing offense built a huge right. lead for them right at the beginning.
0: I, I, I agree. So it was my brother-in-law's wedding that night, and he's a big Titans fan. All of his all of his groomsmen are Titans fans. And so we're all downstairs at the venue. Well, like they've already had the ceremony and the game hasn't started yet. So they've already had the ceremony and like all the groomsmen, there's like 10 groomsmen and like me and a couple other, the a couple of the, the, the bridesmaids are all like, no, no, we're going to go downstairs. Like during the reception, we're all downstairs. And I had to take the kids home and I was like, honey, I'll, I'll take them home. I'll, I'll, I'll take, yeah. I'll take the, the five in this at the time, maybe like a four and a three-year-old or whatever it was a two and a two and a three-year-old. I was like, I'll, I'll take, I'll take them back home. Uh, and I left at halftime basically, Took the kids home, got him in bed, and was sitting on the couch at the start of the third quarter. Didn't miss any of it, uh, and I remember that that, that one was more exciting, entertaining than the Patriots win. The Patriots win was just so ugly, but like still really important and great. Yeah. But the Chiefs game, if you ask me to sit down and rewatch one, which one I find the most entertaining, I think it would be either the Ravens or the Chiefs or the top two. But I, I just think the Chiefs game was like Derrick Henry just—I think he had 155 yards in that game, yeah, like just. Just an absolutely nuts game. The one I want to point out, too, and I want to see what you think, that I just thought from a pure inter- entertainment standpoint, and it turned out to decide actually who was the one seed. And the Buffalo, Josh Allen slip at the goal line where they went, they, they both just went up and down the field. Scoring points, the Titans couldn't stop Allen, but the Bills couldn't stop the Titans, and they just went back and forth and back and forth and up and down and up and down. And then on the goal line, last second of the game, like you slip and Jeffrey Simmons punches him in the face, and like the game's over. And and that was
1: coming off the COVID, uh, yeah, like in the middle crisis. of the COVID
0: scandal, yeah, like I just thought that that one was was absolutely one of the most memorable. And then my I was at the Green Bay Marcus game in 2016. Yeah. Uh, wearing different colors. But my daughter was like five weeks old. And my wife will tell you that's the most memorable Titans game she's been to because she was breastfeeding in the uh, behind the the what are those little dollhouses down there? Oh Yeah, that's that's where the, the room is for moms to go. And it's like <laughs> a it's like a stone closet at Nissan Stadium. That's like the worst place in the world to be. She's like, I can't believe you made me go to that game. I was like, Maren needed to go to her her first Packers game when she was five weeks old, like she needed to do it. And DeMarco Murray had a huge game. Titans dominated. Titans absolutely dominated that day. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a crazy game, that green Bay game. That was actually, I think that game. Was either that game or the Seattle game. I can't remember which one it was, but that was one of the first times that we've, that me and Lebowski did our podcast. Like in front of our friends in a tailgating parking lot oh, and stuff. Oh,
0: pressure, yeah. huh? Yeah, so it was like one of the very first times. That's cool. That's really cool. It was a, that, that was a, that was a, that was an absolute party in the building. Like, it, they got up early, the Titans did, and people were just going bananas the whole game. It was just one of those yeah. moments where you just remember it being like a frat party for the entire day um and it was just a ton of fun so i thought i'd throw a few out there because i thought it was a really good conversation about you guys if you want to hear mike herndon's uh and some other conversation go check it out i did watch two episodes of the quarterback uh on netflix which is the new documentary it's solid it's good it's good i know you guys were talking about it and i just wanted to say i've watched two the wife's in on it because she wants to learn about patrick mahomes wife um which is all she cares about but it, it's it's a, it's good it's interesting marcus is I I don't know. Marcus is such a good dude and such a likable guy. And I know Titans fans don't like him that much maybe, but like, I just think he's, I've liked him since his college years. I just think he's such a good dude. So yeah, that's a good
1: dude. Not a great quarterback.
0: No, no. But you said the same thing about Jake Locker and on the episode. And I was like, that's a good dude. Not a great quarterback, but Marcus to be
1: the uh, Titans. (laughs)
0: Right. But Marcus is a far better quarterback than Jake Locker. Just for the record. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't
1: say he wasn't.
0: All right. You want to start with coaches? You want to rank your sure. coaches first? So I think this was pretty easy, but I want you to rank your top four. You in, in the AFC South, we're going to do all AFC South rankings here, defensive unit rankings, and then we'll talk a little SEC media days. But the head coaches in the AFC, uh, is sort of similar to quarterbacks for me in that it was very easy to do. Who you got? Vrabel, uh, Peterson, D'Amico Ryan,
1: Shane Steichen. Uh,
0: I, I don't even know how to spell Steichen's last name, but that's exactly – the order I have, I don't know how you can have any other order. Uh, I think Vrabel and Peterson are clearly up the top two. I think Vrabel is clearly the best coach. I think D'Amico Ryans is clearly has more upside, and I'm more interested and more confident in D'Amico Ryans than Indianapolis, Same Shane station
1: I have no faith in Shane Steinchen.
0: I have no clue. I don't have any idea. If you told me he was good one day or terrible one day, I'd be like, okay. Like, well, Demico Ryan's this. is interesting.
1: It, it's interesting. Uh, I can't remember who was talking about it, but I saw someone say, oh, it's interesting that Patrick Mahomes spends more time with Matt Nagy than Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines. Hey, he's the quarterback's coach. It's <laughs> what he does. And let me tell you something, is that if you go and listen, if you if you had subscribed to stackingtheinbox.com and read my piece about Brian... Uh, Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach of the Eagles, the Jalen Hurts' productivity went through the roof when they brought him out from the top, because he was in the booth, down to the sidelines, because what was happening was, is that Jalen Hurts, the offensive coordinator, is typically game planning with the head coach during the breaks while the defense is on the field. You may see some go and like relay some messages, but they spend most of their time talking to each other. So when Brian Johnson was brought down and he was able to spend a lot of time with uh, Jalen Hurts, it's when you saw Jalen Hurts turn it around. And that's when you saw that basically he was over to the side, basically being the offensive coordinator for the quarterback. Like he's telling him what to see, what to look for, doing all the game field. So I'm not surprised by that. But this all goes to Shane Steichen, who couldn't handle both jobs. There are offensive coordinators that can handle all that stuff and multitask, but he couldn't and his offense could not run efficiently when he could. Now he's in charge of a team where he has to multitask various things. I just have no faith in him as a head coach. And I think that Chris Ballard is going to get the brunt of the blame for their struggles this season. The Colts struggles this season. And I'll be very glad that he's gone. And I think he's rightfully has accumulated so much goodwill he's deserved some negativity by by people. But really, Shane Steichen should go as well. I I feel like at some point you just have to do this kind of like reset where you bring in a GM, bring in a head coach who are on the same page. Do not saddle one without the other.
0: Well, generally you would always go GM first, and then if the GM evaluates the coach it's his decision to make like that's generally what you would do and this guy's been been handpicked by ballard now i think the whole power structure is odd because ursa is a weird owner too and and ballard is a weird gm right now he had a couple of nice wins early like robinson and then it's kind of trailed off and hasn't done a whole lot in terms of building the roster we'll find out if richardson anthony richardson is the right pick and and i guess we'll find out if shane steichen is the right coach Um, I do find it interesting to your point about interacting on the sidelines, like the guys that do it and they do it kind of quickly are the head coaches who call plays, right? Like when they're the same person, that guy is a lot of times talking to the quarterback as he comes off the field, but then quickly has to move on to like managing the rest of the game. So, um, I don't, I just don't know anything. I, I have a 0% confidence in saying anything about Shane that I, that I, I don't have any, literally anything could happen with him. And I would not be surprised because I just don't have any strong feelings. Whereas if D'Amico Ryan's failed, I would be pretty surprised by that. I would,
1: I think there is a, there's a good chance. And it sounds weird for a first year head coach, but there's a good chance D'Amico Ryan's could be in the talk for coach of the year. If he turns this thing around, like immediately in year one, like how do you not put that guy in the conversation for coach of the year? I mean, he's, already highly regarded and highly respected i i really like i really hate that D'Amico ryan's went the texans i know. I, I just yeah. i just absolutely yeah. hate it i hated it when they drafted him because demiko ryan's is like an all-time alabama player for me so i i, I hated it when they when they drafted him and i hate that he just kind of never could find his way to tennessee obviously there's no connections to tennessee but you know, they did have a defensive coordinator position open and they had all this stuff to try to get him there. I just wish it would have came to, I wish they would all connect it together to bring him over here. And I hate that he went to the Texans. He's, he's my favorite. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I could totally see a situation where the Texans, you know, somehow get like a close to a winning record and people are like, I don't know. You got to get D'Amico Ryan some credit. He could be in coach of the year conversation this year. I also think that there's a a highly plausible likely scenario where we're doing this this time next year. And we're saying Vrabel's one, D'Amico Ryan's is two and uh, Peterson is three.
0: I I, I think it might take two years, but I agree with you that it won't take long. Like I I think in theory, One or two years, I I think D'Amico Ryans could be there. Uh, The question is like coach of the year conversation, which I don't honestly care that much about who wins it actually, because it's never given to the guy who necessarily did the best coaching job. It's always given to the guy who kind of did the most unexpected or in Vrabel's case, like kind of did the most with the least due to the injuries. Um, I I think seven wins, if if they go eight and nine, I would say he's absolutely a top three finalist for coach of the year, seven wins. And he might be in the conversation, but if they go eight, if they get to eight wins, he's like, I think he wins the award at that point. Like
1: I, that's how I am. And I know that sounds crazy for an eight win. Uh, you just have to understand how atrocious the Texans were these last few years for those that may not be watching the Texans. And then you kind of have to understand that, like it's still a, Mishmash of players, new players, old players, like it would be pretty remarkable. You know, the difference with Mike Vrabel was, you know, Mike Malarkey went nine and seven. Then here comes Vrabel; he goes nine and seven. Right. You take a team and make them competitive and have some good wins on that resume. I don't know. He he's got a lot of love in the community too, like oh, yeah. not, not the the media community, the voting community for these awards. That it would, I I just see. That it would be very easy for him to be liked and for him to be want to be voted yeah. on as long as he gets to like a respectable eight or nine wins.
0: Yep, uh, a being says he's watching episode four of the quarterback, which is the Titans, where Mahomes has a lot of respect for Vrabel and the Titans. I would assume since Mahomes has played some of his worst games against Mike Vrabel's defenses, um, almost and lost if, last year. Yeah, he did get to Malik Willis, uh, of course. Reminder: Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group, always. Always here, go to sinkers, use the Kingston group. Uh, I, I think what's interesting about Doug Peterson is, he, I, I think he just kind of is what he is. He's solid, he's okay, he's never going to be elite, he's never going to be terrible. But do you think he is what he is? And right now, that's better than an unknown, a coach that's never coached before. I think it'll, I, I think D'Amico, I think you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think D'Amico Ryans, if he accomplishes what we think he's going to accomplish, which in my mind, he's another version of Mike Rabel, mm-hmm. then... He goes he goes in a year, two years, three years fairly quickly as Doug Peterson just stays where he is. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's goes from behind to ahead pretty quickly. Uh and that's that that would be also my prediction. I know if you're a diehard Jags fan, uh, I guess you, you 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 tout the Super Bowl, but I think everybody knows on a day in, day out, unit unit by unit development, leadership, everything like we just know, look Mike, at week eighteen. We know Mike. I, I don't know
1: what to tell you. Week yeah. eighteen should tell you everything about what Mike Vrabel can do yeah. as a coach. You can look at that Chiefs game as well. But what he can do may not always result in wins. But what he can do with less, he can do more with less than any yeah. other coach in the NFL, in my opinion.
0: And I don't disagree uh, at all. Hello, Diesel. How are you doing? Good. To, good to see you. Welcome to the comment section there. And uh, so Vrabel, Peterson, Ryan's. Steichen uh with Vrabel at the top there and I think it would take a lot I mean Peterson would have to get to like an AFC championship game or get to another Super Bowl for him to jump Vrabel I think so yeah uh, he would have to continue to
1: beat Vrabel in my in my mind yeah
0: yeah I think that's fair I think that's fair Uh, okay Seekers Beverages Kingston group go there okay let's get into the defense now I want to um I think we'll fit we'll wrap up the conversation with overall defense and i'll just kind of we can kind of do that quickly at the end um but i wanted to start with uh, i'm going to start with the defensive backs for a second
1: okay so are we doing cornerbacks and safeties or just cornerbacks i
0: was going to do second so i have secondaries defensive lines and linebackers the three layers the three tiers of the (laughs) Let me let me tell you what Pro Football Focus did so I can tell you how I think they're wrong. How about that? And while you okay. well while you do some work over there. Um, they had the secondaries ranked heading into the season in the AFC South as follows: the Tennessee Titans 26th, the Jacksonville Jaguars 27th, the Houston Texans 28th, and the Indianapolis Colts 31st. And when you start to look at the groups of players playing in the secondary, and I think you said this to Mike on F-Words, one of the position groups that is the deepest and most versatile on the entire roster, if not the deepest and most versatile position group on the Titans roster, is the secondary. They may not have an elite number one like Derek Stingley might be eventually for the, the Texans, but they have an all pro safety, a damn good second safety and four quality corners who can move around and play different positions. I would have Tennessee as the number one. Technically
1: their, their depth behind those four is still good because they're all versatile as well. Yes. I, I know it sounds crazy because the traditionally the pass defense has been one of the weaker aspects of it. But if you're looking, if, you should go look at the fucking AFC South depth charts. I mean, it, I know you have, so but it's, 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 it's
0: not good. But it's it, so bad. they're better
1: than the rest. I mean, I would. They're number have, one.
0: Yeah, I they are would the have, number one say se- they're the number one secondary in the division.
1: Yeah, I think I the Texans Jags is kind of hard, right? Because like the Jaguars have nobody as a safety that I'm even heard of. I feel like, and the the Texans have Stingley, and but, they have Stingley and Jalen Petrie. And Jimmy Ward now. So Jimmy I, Ward. So I put the Texans at two I, that's hesitantly, what I, have. I hesitantly because I do like the Jaguars cornerbacks of Trey Herndon and um, Tyson Campbell, Tyson Campbell. Uh, yep. And then I have a Colts, a clear, clear fourth. Like for me, it's clearly the Titans are the best in the secondary. And as wild to say, but it's does not mean they're the best in the NFL. It just means that they're better than the trash heap that is the rest of the AFC South in this particular position, clearly. But then I think like Texans and Jags, I think you can make arguments, swap those around however you want.
0: I agree. And then the Colts are clearly the yes, worst. I, that's exactly what I have now. Again, PFF, for, again, for what it's worth, I'm just using it as a benchmark so, I, so we can have the conversation off of that. They, they have them all ranked 26th or worse. So number one, that yeah. tells me that, that tells me that, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill two and two rookie quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence should have some some opportunities to make yes. some plays. Traylon Burke should have some opportunities to make some plays. I, I would not have Tennessee at 26. I think they're number one in the division. I'd probably have them at like 19, 20, 21. I think the personnel is better than the past defensive numbers. And I don't think that's a function necessarily of – I guess that's a function of a lot of things. Injuries is number one. But I would lean Houston because I think they have more high-end talent. Like Derek Stingley and Tyson Campbell are sort of a wash there, right? But I think Stingley's a little better. Campbell had a really great year last year. I think the safeties are better at Houston. Otherwise, I think Houston's a slight, slight nod. But I think all three, Jacksonville, Houston, and Indianapolis are three of the worst bottom third in the NFL. Yeah. And the Colts might be the worst secondary in the NFL.
1: I would be so. very surprised that the Colts aren't the worst secondary in the NFL, and and that's a good thing for the, the Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, Malik Willis, whoever may be starting because of injury. I mean, it's just it's atrocious. They got rid of one of their starting corners, and then I didn't didn't know that Julius Brent's nickname was Juju. Which, if it is, that's a bad sign. And it seems like a name change going from rookie you know, as a rookie. That's that's not good. I'm like well, well name, name start- change.
0: The name change went so well for uh for Darius Leonard slash yeah. Shaquille Leonard. Yeah. Yeah,
1: the, the that's the thing to me is like Julius Prince and um fuck. What's his name? Darius uh, Rush could be good uh secondary players but not year one and that's what they're going to be relying on a lot is these rookies. I mean, you're talking about Julius Prince and they they have dallas flowers
0: <laughs> and then is that, a, an is, that a per, is that a
1: person i don't know i've never heard of them. and then they have Kenny moore Kenny moore and
0: rodney then, thomas julian yeah. blackman who are these people
1: yeah like julian blackman is okay but yeah, he's not yeah. gonna be like i don't know i i just find it to be it's atrocious. It's one of the worst. Like, it's like, it's to me, it's, bad. it's, it's bad. like looking at the, um, the wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans. This is like, Oh, this is bad. Oh, this I think, very I, bad. I think the, I think
0: here's here. It might be even worse. I think the Tennessee Titans wide receiver group is far more interesting and talented than the Colts secondary.
1: And they, there could be, listen, I, I like Darius rush and I like Ju- Julius Brent's, um, but we'll see how they all fit together maybe they're really good by week 12, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: sometimes yeah. too little too
0: late. So I, I let's stay, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go to the defensive line because, and I'm doing this strategically because I think it's clear that the Titans have the best collection of players. Again, the past numbers last, last year didn't play that out, but I think clearly one to like, let's say eight or nine, they have the best collection of defensive backs in the division. But I, I think pretty clearly, I think there's some elite upside talent with Tyson Campbell and Derek Stingley, that might be better than anybody the Titans have. But as a group, there's nobody, in my opinion, that's close to the Titans. I think while there is some really, really good players at the defensive line position, I think the exact same thing is true for the defensive line. The, The difference being they also have the best player in Jeffrey Simmons. But if you include anybody who lines up along the defensive line, I think it is very clearly the Tennessee Titans have the best defensive line of anybody in this division as well.
1: Well, you also need to clarify what you're talking about. You are saying defensive, you are including defensive line and the outside linebackers as one group.
0: I I am. I understand if, if that's people don't rank them that way. I I, like I look at Harold Landry and yes, that he occasionally drops into pass coverage around the goal line. And, you know, Arden key likes to play in a two point stance, but I, I think we can discuss who has a better pass rush. I think that's fair if you want to sort of separate pass rush, but it's so hard to it's so hard because you're going to play with four or five down linemen, almost every single play for for all these teams. And it's hard to, for me, it's, it would be the same answer, honestly. Like if it's Autry, if it's Autry, Tart and Simmons, that's number one in the division. Mm. If it's Autry, Simmons, Tart mixed with Landry and key and Weaver, I still think that's number one in the division.
1: And I agree with both those words. I just want to make sure that our listeners, the rankings, the listeners know that we are including the outside linebackers with the defensive line. Um, and I agree. I I have a Titans. I did Titans, Jags, Texans, Colts. And I think it's like, I think wow. it's, this is the most, I think this is the closest that it is. Um, and I almost put the Texans above the Jaguars because of their defensive line. But I think that you do have to give a little bit of credence to Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, even though, man, I, I really struggled with that. I really struggled after everything by the Titans on this particular category, because I just couldn't decide. I have a lot of erase marks and everything. <laughs> um, I couldn't decide. So I'm just, I just went with my gut and went Jags, Texans, Colts. I just, you know, the the Colts have, the, I think, the one of the most underrated defenders in the league in Grover Stewart. But other than that, I'm just not too sold on anybody else that they have.
0: So I'll, I'll start with what I agree with you on, and then we can go to what we disagree on. Uh, Jacksonville and Houston, I struggled uh, as well. Like I looked, I went back and forth. I think if Will Anderson is a superstar. And, and with and Jerry, who's plays most of the season, I, th- I think they have like they don't have a, st- a bunch of other stars, but they've got a lot of yeah. like, quality starters. Um, I, I just don't know about Allen and Walker and Hamilton and some of these other guys for Jacksonville. So I I'm with you. I kind of went back and forth. If you look at pro football focus again, just using it as a baseline, not saying we agree or disagree with them. They had the Titans as the number 10 defensive line in the NFL. They had the Colts at 18. And they had Jacksonville and Houston at twenty one and twenty three, so basically the same. So they're kind of agreeing with us on Jacksonville and Houston. And here's what this is, brings us back to the Colts, which is where I have them at two, uh, not as high as eighteen. They just don't have any edge rushers. I think Quiddy Pay is going to have a good season. I like I like Pay. So I mean, I'll
1: see when I believe it. I mean, I so, believe when I see it. You know, if you like, told me
0: I could have Quidipe Pay or Trayvon Walker, I might take quitty Pay.
1: I mean i I would probably agree. I'd probably agree with you, even though I do not like his injury history with Quiddy Pay. But I just never believed in Trayvon Walker to begin with. I thought he was right. completely overrated. But I mean,
0: Buckner and Stewart is a really good interior tandem.
1: Yeah. I mean, Quiddy Pay's like maybe if Quiddy Pay was on a different team, I'd think differently of him. Um, man, that's really hard. You know, I got, I feel like the Colts, Texans, Jags are very close. I agree. So, I mean, that's where I have the issue is that, like, you look at DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart, and you're like, man, that's a damn good defensive tackle duo. And then you look at Pay, who can't stay healthy. And then you go and turn around and look at their other guy right now, Samson Ekobom, which is who they just picked up. So they've already downgraded a lot of their players. Now, listen.
0: Well, the, the, the Colts fans will tell you that's a huge upgrade on, was it Ngakwe? Uh, was, yeah, but who got there? who had
1: 9.5 sacks, by the way, and, and but, people are really overrating that. And it happened yesterday while we were talking on uh football and other words. really overrating the rush defense aspect of Yannick's game. I mean, I, I oh, think that's that's like, what I'm saying. Colts yeah. fans think they upgraded from Ngakwe. Uh, we'll see when your pass rushes come there. Now, listen, I, I agree. they got they got eight eight, so they got aided <laughs> to wema aida Bawar, and he's one of my favorite players in the draft, so maybe. He he just goes crazy like uh, we all thought and and all that. I just can't get past their edge group, whereas the Texans, I almost want to put them put them second over the Jags because I love Will Anderson so much. Yeah. He's so pro-ready. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans is another factor in how I kind of view this defense. So I view Will Anderson, Sheldon Rankins, Lee Collins, Jonathan Greenyard a little bit different because – you have over there, D'Amico Ryans.
0: I, I, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go Houston over Jags because of that too.
1: Yeah, that,
0: that's, I, I, do that.
1: it, I think I'm still going to keep the Jags there because the Jags did prove that they can rush the passer and get at you. We haven't seen the Texans prove it, but we have seen the 49ers do it and we haven't really seen the Colts do it. So we'll, we'll see.
0: We'll just kind of see. All right. So, and and when I say and when I say outside linebackers that I included, I included outside linebackers in the non-traditional edge sense, not the like 4-3 stand up weak side backer. Like uh, that's that's 5 yards off the line of scrimmage. Like I I was counting that guy in in the linebacker crew. And now, let me ask you this. If we just said pass rush, like we know the Titans are the best run- rushing defense. We know that. And we know the Colts with their tandem inside solid against the run, but the, the question then becomes who's got the best pass rush. I still think Titans still think Titans. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think that te- that's where I think the Texans could jump all the way to two or maybe even have one of the best pass rushes. Ooh. If everything hits.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think number two, I think is their limit because I don't think they have, okay. I don't think they have enough to be number one. And the, I think they are still a year away from maybe a couple of drafts, free agent signings. To be able to get to that spot. You know. I, I think they are going to be. If you're talking strictly pass rush. I still think Titans. I do not believe. In, I I think Josh Allen. Is a quality player. I do not. Get the hype around. Josh Allen Trayvon Walker. As far as a pass rushing duo. And based on what we saw last year. I don't know how anybody could do it. It's I feel like. Braden, and you can correct me if a, I'm
0: wrong. A couple sacks against Dennis Daly doesn't count. Yeah.
1: I feel like at a point, it's like these people are, have confirmation bias because whenever Trayvon Walker got a sack at preseason, the the Twitter was all a flutter with the, the oh, yeah. analysts yeah. who said, this is why we told you Trayvon Walker would be good and should be taking yep. over Aiden Hutchinson. But season long, you didn't hear from those losers ever again. And I feel like it took a while for the Josh Allen. uh, We were right. We were right to come out after a Dennis Daly game. I don't know. I just kind of like. I still think that what Vrabel can do and what Shane Bowen can do and what the defensive line can do, specifically Autry, Simmons, and Tart, as far as how the defense could be formed around it, I still think they're the better pass rushing team.
0: I, I like to think that that's true, especially if you get full on. You get full on um, Harold Landry. I think that's. Yeah. I think that's. Probably I think true. you to get. Listen,
1: I am not a Harold Landry guy. I, I have never been. I mean, I like him. He's good, but he's not the elite pass rusher. I think you're going to get like a what was a 2019 Harold Landry where it's it's pretty good but not great and you're kind of wondering when he's going to take that next step it's kinda like, i'll say this i think he's going to play all year i think he's going to be healthy and i think they're going to probably use him as much as they usually do maybe not as much but pretty close but harold landry is just going to be harold landry and he is an average player at a premium position in my opinion
0: Okay. That's interesting. I think we could, we, when we, when we go into camp preview mode and we start talking depth chart, I think that'll be an interesting conversation. I I was looking at Trayvon Walker's uh, game log here. The guy had five tackles for loss the entire season, (laughs) five tackles for loss five times. He tackled someone behind the line of scrimmage. That one major big sack was of course, when they blew out the Titans and the Titans were in pass, they were so far behind. They had to pass the ball every play and he was going against Dennis Daly. He had one sack against, the Giants, and he had one sack in week one against a, a terrible offensive line and a bad quarterback team in Washington. He he added a half a sack against Denver. So three and a half sacks and five tackles for loss from the number one overall pick. Hit the quarterback ten times last year. Total, and by the way, I mean, total. he
1: was playing like 80 to 90% of the defensive snaps until towards the end of the year. Yes. that he got inactive because of an injury. And then they kind of yep. started trailing him off a little bit. And then
0: he played a lot against the Titans in week uh, 18 yeah. Yeah, he but, played
1: 84 percent. then he yeah. bounced back up but no you're just right saying he played you're a right. lot of snaps so it's not a well maybe he didn't have the opportunity no it's
0: so not that good so it's funny about what, what i really enjoy about this exercise you start to see some like concepts formulating about the division and I, and we'll get to that in just a second but so let's do linebackers here because i think the colts are clearly the best collection of yep. like, like traditional linebackers for sure by by a country mile with, with, uh, Leonard and Franklin and Okiki and speed and all these guys. I think, I think it's number, they're number one. Um, I think there's an interesting debate between Houston and Jacksonville. Again, there's a theme here. (laughs) Interesting debate between Houston and Jacksonville. I would have the Titans as the last place set of linebackers. I think it's their weakest area on the team. I, I really like Aziz Alshair, but after that, there's nothing trustworthy on the team. I, you know, like I, I think pro football focus had him as the 29th collection of linebackers. They had the Colts at number eight. They had Jacksonville at 18 Houston at 26. I think Houston and Jacksonville are closer than that, but I think Tennessee is the worst. And I do think the Colts are the best.
1: I I agree with Colts. are the best. I think Texans are the worst. Mm, okay. Uh, Denzel Perryman. Yeah. Good luck with that guy. <laughs> I mean, good luck with Denzel Perryman as your starting linebacker. Uh, Christian Kirksey backs him up. We have Henry Tuotuo back there as well. Uh, Corey Littleton, Christian Harris. These names do not strike fear into the hearts of men everywhere. And listen, this come from a Titans fan. Um, I, 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 I think for me, it comes down to I think the Jaguars and Titans are the two guys closest in the second and third, and then Texans are clearly. Last, I really like Aziz here
0: I know, I do too. I,
1: and I do not like Money Rice, but <laughs> I love Mike Vrabel. <laughs> so it's kind of for me. It's kind of like D'Amico ryan's in the defensive line and the pass rush and stuff like that. It's like I don't know. I mean, Mike Vrabel just does stuff with people that you can't believe. I mean, he had you know Jack G- Dr. Gibby out there. He had Dylan Cole out there. Like I look at. I guess you could say for you said Al- is good, but Devin Lloyd is. I, he lo- good?
0: I, I, lo- I, I love Devin Lloyd,
1: but is he good? Does I just because you Lloyd. love him doesn't mean he's good?
0: I, I think he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good. Uh, so here's my here's my. I think we need to because I think all three of them are kind of the same here. Yeah, because and I and I again I could if Denzel Perriman, if he plays all 17 games is better than anything, the Titans have potentially Christian Kirksey last year had 125 tackles, three sacks played every single game. Uh, Christian Harris had um, had 75 tackles. No, no. And and I'm right. right, What I'm saying is, is, and I, the same credit that I agree with you on that. I think Vrabel coaches them up. I'm going to say the same thing about D'Amico Ryan's who plays the linebacker position. There, there is more experience far more experience and more upside with the Texans linebacking core, in my opinion, than the Titans linebacking core. Now the, the, yeah. the Jags, the Jags, I love Devin Lloyd, but I don't know about the rest of the group. So I think they're all pretty close with the Colts, like a distant first here. Yeah.
1: I, I, I agree with that. It's kind of like the offensive line talk that we had the other day. It's like the Colts are right. clearly the best offensive line. Then right. you, you, you get into it and you kind of talk about it and you're just talking it out and you're like, well, I can kind of see the Titans are the worst or I kind of see the Titans are the second best. But it's clearly Colts number one. And, you know, look at, by the way, to go on back to Denzel Perryman, last time he's played a full 17 games was uh, a full season of games was never. He has (laughs) never played. And he is 30, about to turn 31, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he'll be 31 by the end of this year. I think that's a lot to a lot of. I think like the Texans are got, this is the weird part of their, it's kind of like the Titans too. There's a weird part of their defense around this linebacking core. That's like a lot of hope and a lot of youth, but nothing concrete. There's not a concrete player on either of these teams as far as what happened at the, at the inside linebacker position. Like in my, like an, a good elite, you can rely on week in and week out player.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Uh, You know, even David Long technically wasn't the reliable player, but you could when he was in the game, you're talking a difference maker. Now, I think that Aziz Alshair will be that guy and we have seen him be that guy with the San Francisco 49ers. And I assume because Mike Vrabel is the coach, we'll see that guy here in Tennessee. But yeah, I mean, like you could almost just put them all at one. You could do. Colts at one and then put everybody at two and just be I think it's all three-way tie I
0: I think if you had Vrabel coaching Perriman Kirksey Littleton Harris I I would feel much more comfortable about that than Jack Gibbons and as the number three and the number four it's it's not about Alshair I really believe in Alshair as well it's more about like you're banking on Monty Rice playing 17 games as your number two middle linebacker and and then what after that So so my my key and and Perriman's going into his ninth year. You're right. He's 30 years old, but he had 150 tackles two years ago. He started 15 games two years ago. I'm not saying he's not going to miss, let's say, three or four games, five games, maybe even. But I'd still rather have the other 12 from him. So but here. But here's here's one big overarching takeaway from doing this exercise, because I want to we'll rank all four defenses as a whole now that we've kind of done our rankings and it's really interesting and kind of hard to do. But what's interesting is I could argue that the Texans are better than Jacksonville at all three levels of the defense. You, it's, it, maybe it's close. Maybe you disagree, and that's okay. But I could argue that the pass rush and the defensive line is just a little tiny fraction a bit better, Houston, than Jacksonville. Secondary, we just talked about it, maybe fraction of a difference better than Jacksonville. And maybe the linebackers, you might lean Jacksonville, but I could still argue that Houston's close. We just said they're all about the same. So if Houston is better with D'Amico Ryan's as their head coach at all, at every level than Jacksonville, to me that that screams problems for Jacksonville, and it screams the Texans are going to steal a bunch of games this year. Not a bunch, but like three or four games because their defense. They're going to make some well noise, coached. and right, they, they, right.
1: they tried their best to make noise under Lovey Smith. I mean, you got to remember Levy Smith was having a couple of these players that now D'Amico Ryans is going to get his hands on, playing out of their minds, yep. playing above their pay grade, playing above their weight class. I mean, the Texans were in some games last year. It's ridiculous. the how, NFL. Yeah, it's just ridiculous that, that that's how it was. I mean, almost every game you're like, man, the Texans are still in this game. It's the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah. I mean, they would lose in a h- hilarious fashion but now we got D'Amico Ryan's coming in and now you need to put, put them on notice. I have, and,
0: and I agree with that. you, but
1: this is also why I don't think the Jags are going to be that good. I agree with you is that they're going to have a much harder schedule than they had last year. Not only among, across their actual schedule against other opponents outside the AFC South. I actually think the AFC South this year is better than last year. And They did nothing to really improve their team outside of looking into Calvin Ridley. (laughs) Like, like pretty much. I mean, that is the only new addition right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars is Calvin Ridley.
0: Who they drafted. They drafted uh, the Georgia tackle, right? Broderick Jones of the first round. Is that right? uh, No, Anton Harrison. Harrison at Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, yeah. And right now they're planning on having to play him a lot because of the Cam Robinson problem. But so if I said defense overall, it's Titans number one. I think you take the Titans number one because they have the best defensive line and the best secondary. They have the worst linebackers, but then the Colts have the worst secondary. And if the Titans are better at two positions than the Colts, then right. I think I think you gotta lean Titans one. The question I think it's Colts two. Because their defensive line is number two and their linebackers are number one, which means their front seven is probably I, you know close to the I, Titans. I,
1: I think it's Texans number two, Ooh. Jags three, Colts four. Wow, the Colts' two best play the best players are players that stop the run, like DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, uh, Shaq Leonard, if that's what we're gonna call him, Darius Leonard, and then. Um, Oh, shit. What's the other guy's name? The uh, other Colts linebacker.
0: Franklin or Okeke? Uh,
1: I was thinking of Okikori, but now O-Kikari, he's yeah. gone. It's EJ Speed. EJ so Speed. So EJ Speed is, the, is the, uh, the other guy in line, and Zaire is the other one as well. What a great name. Um, the, they all kind of only really stop the run and tackle. Like I, I know tackling is very important. But the pass rush, I feel like, is not there. And I feel like if you're going to be a good defense, you have to have some semblance of a pass rush. And I feel like the Titans, Texans, and Jags all have semblances of pass rush with much better secondaries. And I, it's much, much, much better secondaries than the Colts.
0: Than the Colts, well, everybody, everybody is. Yeah. So, so what's give me your final order? Total uh, all defenses, overall defense in the AFC South. Titans won. If
1: it, it Mike, on paper.
0: It's Titans, Jaguars,
1: Texans, Colts. But my prediction is that it's going to end up being Titans, Texans, Jaguars, Colts.
0: Man, I'm so torn on this Colts thing because I like the defensive line a little bit more than you do. Uh, but I totally agree. I totally, agree, I totally agree with you on the Line secondary. is
1: that much better. Yeah. It's kind of like what you were talking about with Trevor Lawrence and the backups, quarterbacks, and all that kind of stuff. The defensive line. Is that and the line, the two linebackers are not that much better than what you generate in a pass rush and what you generate out of your secondary, in my opinion.
0: Here's what I think ultimately I took away from doing this exercise is that even if the secondary, even if the defense is thin for the Titans and defense is difficult to predict year over year statistically from a regression progression standpoint. That the tech, the Tennessee Titans should still be the best defensive team in the AFC South pretty easily.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the next thing I took away is that it, there's a chance that these are three of the worst defenses. The other three teams, yeah. three of the worst defenses in the AFC. And right. it doesn't mean there's not some good players in there, but there are three of the worst defenses in the AFC. Because I would go Titans, Colts, Texans, Jags, but to your point... I, I like the, the Colts' pass rush a little bit more than you do. If the linebackers are limited to just sort of playing the run and the, and the front line is limited to just playing the run, then I agree with you. The Colts are at the back. And, and can we and say that, something real so. quick
1: about the whole the, – because Mike's big thing has been depth, depth,
0: depth, depth.
1: Here's what I've learned through this exercise is that it's an AFC South epidemic. It is not just the Titans. If you yes. go look at these other, yeah. other, they may have better high-end starters at certain positions than the Titans, but if you really go look at these rosters right now, let me tell you something. If the Jaguars experience, they were right. the number two healthiest team last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars were. If they experience just like a fraction of the bad injury like the Titans and Colts have had over the last two seasons, and really yeah. maybe, you get the, maybe you throw in the Texans, some of this bad injury luck they're in trouble they're in so much trouble it's ridiculous and but that's like that for every team in the afc south and i bet you'd be hard pressed to find uh i'd say about 10 teams in the i think if you could find 10 teams in the nfl that have really really strong considerable great elite depth I would have to give you maybe $10. The
0: the entire nature of the sport is designed to remove your depth. That's the whole nature of the, the, of the salary cap and the 53 and the, and the whole thing. I will say this. There's not many. I mean, Simmons is a better defensive tackle than anybody else, even if the Colts have two good ones. So he's still better at the high end. The only two names that I look at um, in the entire division that I would say are clearly high end elite talents that are better than the Titans are probably Tyson Campbell and Derek Stingley at corner. Yeah. Will Anderson potentially as a pass rusher uh, and may, and Leonard, maybe at linebacker. And then I might like, I like Lloyd and uh, as better than anything the Titans have, but he's not an elite player. So uh, uh, like Kevin Byard is uh, the best safety in the division, but, but by a pretty wide margin. So like, well, I don't, I don't see... know if
1: it's pretty wide, but I do agree that he's a big safety.
0: The point is, is that even when you talk about high-end talent, you're talking about maybe two or three guys. Now, the reason the Texans aren't are interesting is that they may have the best corner and the best pass rusher in the entire division, both in their first and second year and coached by D'Amico Ryans. That's what's yeah. interesting is Sting is got is going to be an elite number one corner and Anderson is going to be an elite number one pass rusher. The question is how fast right. and can they fill in the gaps around them? So I think I think with you, like what you said, the Texans may start fourth or third or at the bottom, and then by the end of the year, we'll probably work their way up and be, be potentially number two in the division. So I can get on board with that. Um, okay. Otherwise, uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, stackingtheinbox.com, F-words Pod. Make sure you check all of those uh, different products out. Uh, of course, uh, Sinkers, proud sponsor here of the show, Bluegrass Beverages uh, up there in, in uh, Hendersonville and Goodlitzville in that area up there. Uh, even, even older than sinkers. I think from the seventies, they've been up there serving and sinkers is, uh, yep. since the eighties, but, but two locally owned and operated liquor stores here in Nashville. And of course the Kingston group as well. Make sure you remember them. Uh, sec media days descends upon our city. Uh, I would avoid Broadway and downtown at all costs next weekend. That is for sure. Or next week. I, I should that's, say that's,
1: uh, I would, I would suggest it's avoiding it for forever.
0: I, I don't disagree with you especially now how about this they put the event at the grand hyatt downtown
1: which is the right next to
0: dinner? no or the country music hall of fame and the omni uh, while the bridge is not working the bridge on broadway you know what i'm talking about that takes yeah. you down is closed what in the world so we're gonna have like 800 media members and every SEC team and all the sponsors and all of the everybody's going to be there and they're not even gonna be able to get to the hotel.
1: That's insane. That's crazy. It's
0: nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, I do want to piggyback off what you, you guys were talking about. Mike's tweet with Joe Milton and like, yeah, um, you know, Anthony Richardson is garbage. How dare you compare him to Anthony Richardson? Actually, he's the next Anthony Richardson. Uh, is my is my is my favorite Vol Twitter thing, but here, I'm going to piggyback off that and sort of write a different and sort of make a different prediction. I think Joe Milton will he's going to be one of the five quarterbacks that's going to be here in town. The other ones are Will Rogers, Mississippi State, Jaden Daniels, LSU, KJ Jefferson, three stars, three veterans, and then it's Spencer Rattler and Joe Milton, guys that we think are good but we're not sure. Certainly a, a statement by the coach is bringing them. A statement by Hypo bringing jo- Joe Milton, for sure. Like, hey, we believe in this guy. We think he's going to be great, blah, 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 blah. He is going to wow people next week for two very important reasons. People that haven't been around him in Arkansas and in College Station and in Gainesville. They haven't been around him, right? They don't know enough about him. He's going to wow people because he's going to be the size of the Batman building. And they're going to write the articles that he is just he just towers over every other human being. And that he is an extremely bright and, and dynamic and interesting person. He, he no, is I, mean, very... he has,
1: I mean, he's been around for forever. I mean, I think he's about <laughs> as old as I am.
0: He's got three master's degrees. Uh, he's got a PhD in second string quarterbacking. Uh, he, he is very, very good dude. Very likable. Very smart. Very much like Hendon Hooker in that sense. Both of those things are going to be written ad nauseum next week. Oh, I'm so impressed by Joe Milton the person, which is great. It's just great. I'm so impressed with Joe Milton's size. None of which has anything to do if he can hit a crossing route over the linebacker underneath the safety on third and seven in a critical situation. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean i i I can't wait for the hype train and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know that comes with a, SEC media days. Is there what's the big? the big thing on the agenda or the big thing that you're really looking forward when you go to ACC media days, uh,
0: the agenda that I'm looking for and what other people are doing is probably not uh, the same thing. I I think uh, Kirby smart's going to be come in there really pissed off and I don't think it's the right approach. I think he should c- come in there and just say, look, we're dealing with some stuff in our program. We've got to figure it out. It's my responsibility. Just kind of play it calm. But I think he's going to come in pissed off for greatness and screaming and yelling about the media and outside noise and how everyone's wrong. And my kids are disrespected. And I think he's using it to try to motivate his team, I guess. Kids that
1: are getting sued today. Uh,
0: Right. People died. Like, come on, Kirby. Like, it's like, and I'm not even talking about the assault stuff. Like, I'm just talking about, you know. You can't that last year they claimed disrespect and I sat and talked to Stetson Bennett and you could see it dripping off every word that he was upset and resented the disrespect. They weren't picked last year to win the sec. They weren't picked number one in the nation. They had a bunch of more talent back. They had their coordinator, their quarterback back. And I was fine with Kirby smart playing that card. Cause I actually thought they were underrated. I think you and I did a show where I said, I think George is underrated in, in August of last year. None of that's true this year. They're preseason number one. They don't have a quarterback coming back. They don't have their coordinator. They don't have as many stars on defense. And they're, and uh, and two players died in a car accident. And they're getting sued because they have a they have a, a problem with their program speeding and driving and drinking and racing at, at two in the morning. Like you can't you can't play the disrespect card this year. And nope. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna try. Uh, Saban I think will just he's gonna get up there and nil portal game is going in a direction we don't want it to go blah, 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 it is what it is. He'll be asked about his quarterback, though, a lot, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's that. I think um, Clark Lee is going to give his optimistic robot fullback speech. I think it'll be what it is. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is also the biggest, one of the biggest storylines. I think baby Billy is going to get up there and preach for about, yeah. eight, for about 18 minutes. And I think uh, the over under on Jesus mentions is about three and a half. In his, opening, in his opening remarks, I might take the under, but I, I, he, he is going to get up there and preach. He's going to be asked about paying players at Ole Miss. He's going to be asked about all kinds of nonsense, stuff I don't actually care about. Um, what I care about is creepy behavior as a high school coach 25 years ago in Memphis. What I care about is DMing a, a sexual assault victim during an active investigation while the head coach at Liberty. Like I care about stuff that he's probably not going to get asked about. And yeah. frankly, it's it's a hard it's hard to do that. You can't ask like,
1: you can hey, ask him about Malik Willis.
0: I could, I absolutely could do that. That would be very easy if I can get it. Yeah, get get around. But um, again, a good it's,
1: clip to see you know why why he thinks that Malik Willis struggled. You
0: know, last year. Yeah, I gotta I gotta word that one carefully. It'd be it'd be sort of like um, if I was gonna do that because you have to do it in the big room. Yeah. And you have to, that's that's the one that's on TV and in front of everybody and they're trying to focus on the team, right? It's hard to ask about another pro player from Liberty. But if I was going to ask that, I would just it would have to be something like um Hugh, what is it about Malik Willis? Like what gives you confidence in Malik Willis's ability to develop into a pro quarterback? Something like that. Like why is it that you think he'll develop into a pro quarterback yeah um something along those lines because hugh freeze said out loud about malik willis that he doesn't coach quarterbacks he said it i heard him say it on an interview that the rest of the country heard too i think it was Sirius xm and he was like this was during the january draft process of malik willis and he's like oh i don't coach the quarterbacks i just i drop the plays and that's it yeah what (laughs) how it is i guess (laughs) so i think baby billy's gonna be a big storyline i think kirby's angry i think jimbo fisher's pissed off too i think he's in there like all you know pissing and moaning Uh, i think lane kiffin doesn't say a single word i think shane beamer's gonna talk some shit which i think will be fun yeah let's
1: do it let's get some shit talking going he's
0: bringing a kicker by the way which is a punter which is great um that's pretty fun Uh, (laughs) otherwise otherwise i think a lot of people are gonna write about joe milton and how big he is and how smart he is which is great. Those are great yeah. things to write about. But I, I, none of that tells us anything about what he's going to be able to do this year. So it'll,
1: it'll be interesting. Be interesting to see what happens.
0: The real story that I'm going to try to work on next, because I did communication and leadership last year was a big one for me that I focused on. I, I am gonna tr- I'm working on officiating this year. That's yeah. the one I'm working on. I think the officiating the SEC has been questionable. The last couple of as seasons, as questionable
1: as the Nashville Soccer Club's uh, officiating last night
0: at Jodis Park. I watched the game. I th- I think the calls were right. Uh, you can't oh. Dan Lovett shoved the guy. Dan Lovett's two handed. Well, I'm, not, the I'm
1: guy. not saying that every call was wrong, but I think there was a lot of calls early on that were a little ticky tacky.
0: Yeah, maybe you're right. Honey got pushed around a little bit too. So it's not. It was not a good night at Jodis. Just in general. No. Um, Otherwise, thank you for listening. Sinkers, Beverages, Kingston Group. We're going to have a lot of great coverage for you from SEC Media Days next week. Uh, So stay tuned. And then after that, the week after that, I think the Titans report and we're ready to go. So got a lot of stuff to do. Sinkers, Kingston Group, Stack in the Inbox, F-Words Pod, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network, all that shit, as uh, Zach says, about our our really hard work. Check out all that
1: shit that they do over there. Really
0: hard work that a lot of people are doing and putting in. So check it out. Thank you, Zach, uh, for hanging out. My name is Braden Gall. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.